Do you ever feel like you're learning lessons over again? Like the stuff you worked on 5, 10, or even 20 years ago has a way of coming back. Even though you thought you'd found the solution, there's a very good reason for that. And no, it does not mean that you're broken. I'll tell you why we end up learning lessons over again soon. But first, I want to share a story. Sarah had worked for months on decreasing her tendency to people please. She'd grown up in a chaotic home and one of the ways she maintained control was by coming really good at mind reading. Although as a child she walked on eggshells around her mom, she also had an uncanny talent in predicting what would set her mom off and worked hard to make sure none of those things happened. She could read her mom and fine-tuned her skill in knowing when her mom was upset, figuring out what caused it, and doing whatever was in her power to change the situation. She learned at an early age that mind reading led to a happy mom, led to a less chaotic life. Sarah figured out that one of the ways to decrease the feelings of anxiety was to make sure everyone around her was happy. So it wasn't long before her mind reading and people pleasing extended to her friends, siblings, teachers, and anyone else she would come in contact with. Sarah was a master people pleaser and it was exhausting. So through therapy, Sarah was able to see the pattern, recognize where it came from and why it was such a strong pull for her to make others happy. Sarah was healed, or so she thought. Through therapy, she knew where her people pleasing came from and that it wasn't serving her anymore. She learned to recognize it, take action, and stop the pattern. That is, until recently. You're listening to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. Sarah has hit a rough patch at work. To put it mildly, she's overwhelmed. Deadlines looming, staff not cooperating, miscommunication, you name it, it has gone wrong lately. Not to mention all the pressure Sarah is putting on herself for the new year. She was going to work out more and eat better and try to stop taking everything out on her spouse. Sarah's anxiety is through the roof. And before she knows it, that old pattern of people pleasing is rearing its ugly head. Sarah starts staying late to cover for her staff. And when her boss asks what's going on and why one of her staff is chronically late, Sarah makes excuses for her and explains that she's having a tough time right now. But Sarah knows she will get it together soon. Sarah spends way too much of her time away from work analyzing how she can make it better, what she needs to do to change, and how she can fix the problems that are plaguing her organization. Eventually, her spouse says to her, what's going on? You've been more stressed than usual and aren't present at all when you come home. Sarah realizes she is back people-pleasing again. She isn't saying no, her boundaries are out the window, and her anxiety is through the roof. She realizes her new boss is a lot like her mom demanding, unpredictable, and unaware of how her actions affect the staff. So Sarah has stepped in to smooth everything over. She knows her staff is walking on eggshells, and as if she were eight years old again, there she is protecting everyone around her and not taking care of herself at all. Sarah immediately starts beating herself up. I thought I'd fix this problem. I thought I was healed. Well, here's the truth for Sarah. We all have patterns and triggers, and when we get stressed and overwhelmed, these triggers and patterns come out. The process of change isn't linear. It isn't like we learn a lesson and we're done. We are ever changing, ever learning, and ever getting triggered. Sarah hasn't forgotten all she learned in therapy. She hasn't gone back to zero. She's just learning this lesson again from a different place. I call this spiraling up. All this month, we are taking a different look at how change works. January is a time when we are inundated with new year, new you, a fresh start, change everything about you, and then you'll be happy messages. 
Today's episode, we're going to look at how change works, and specifically, one of my favorite ideas around change, spiraling up. One thing with change that rarely gets mentioned is a concept I call spiraling up. Visualize a spiral staircase. And think of that spiral staircase as the lesson of people-pleasing. At the bottom of the staircase is people-pleasing unchecked. This was Sarah prior to going into therapy. She would react unconsciously to stressful situations by going into mind-reading and people-pleasing. This was her go-to coping mechanism for her anxiety. After therapy, Sarah can see how people-pleasing works to decrease her anxiety, that it came from her relationship with her mom, and that it's something she can stop doing when she recognizes it. As Sarah goes through life, she notices herself people-pleasing, implements the strategies she learned in therapy, such as paying attention to her needs, setting clear boundaries, staying in her own car, and she travels up the staircase. She can now interact with her mom without getting overcome with triggers. Now, it isn't easy, but she can see when she starts mind-reading for her mom and she can make a shift. But at some point, she will get snagged, as she did recently with her new boss and work. So it might feel like Sarah's back to square one. But in reality, she's climbed up the spiral staircase and is learning this lesson at a different level. She mastered the lesson when it has to do with her mom, for the most part. But now she's learning how to implement this lesson with someone different from her mom. Now, at this point, you might be asking, okay, is change even possible? Brett Rogers, a researcher from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, believes it is and has done a longitudinal research project to confirm his theory that personality change is cumulative over our lifespan. His study followed people over the span of 50 years, measuring how their personality shifted using what personality researchers call the big five personality traits. The first one is extroversion how outgoing, social, cheerful, or full of energy and enthusiasm you are in a social setting. The second personality trait, agreeableness, how warm, friendly, helpful, generous, and tactful you are. The third trait, emotional stability, how calm, content, and unflappable versus anxious, angry, jealous, lonely, or insecure you are. Fourth trait is conscientiousness, how organized, efficient, and committed you are to finishing projects or reaching your goals. And finally, the fifth big personality trait, your openness to experience, how curious, adventuresome, and receptive you are to new ideas, emotions, and experiences. His research showed that change happens in response to our life experiences and often leans in a positive, helpful direction. Researchers found that people's personalities did change, especially in the areas of emotional stability, conscientiousness, and agreeableness. But they weren't dramatic changes. They were small, manageable changes made over time. Change isn't one and done. It is ongoing. We might come back to the lesson and it might feel like we are relearning the same lesson. But really, we are experiencing it at a new level with a new insight, a new situation, or a new challenge. And then when we have that mastered, we'll spiral up to another place. You will have leveled up into a more difficult area, but still the lesson will seem familiar. The tendency is for Sarah to get stuck in frustration and disappointment that, oh, she has to work on this issue again in a different setting. This is a time when her monger, aka inner critic, can get very loud, telling her that she wasted money on therapy. She's a loser who never will get this figured out, and she's doomed to be a people-pleasing freak forever. Yep, that monger is so freaking mean. So at this point, she either decides to give up and admit defeat or bring in her biggest fan, that inner voice of compassion and wisdom, who reminds her of the power of spiraling up. And the key to change is leaning into that discomfort. 
Stanford University psychologist Dr. Kelly McGonigal is an expert on how our brains make changes, and in her books and TEDx talk, she shares how a key part of change is embracing the discomfort of it. Let's face it, change is uncomfortable, and even more so when we realize that change is ongoing. In all honesty, Sarah will be learning and relearning this lesson of people-pleasing throughout her entire life. It won't always be as hard as it is now, but it is a challenge she will face on some level over and over again. Dr. McGonagall talks about how we miss acknowledging that most change is uncomfortable, even scary at times, and takes not just a can-do attitude, but an element of courage. We have to call on that biggest fan to remind us that change is possible. It requires courage, kindness, and slow, mindful changes. Once Sarah realizes she's spiraling up, she can call on the four main lessons she learned from her therapy experience. The first lesson is how uncomfortable it feels to stop people-pleasing. She knows it's hard to disappoint people, and she also knows, because she did it with her mom, she will survive. It sucks, and it's doable. The second lesson she learned before was her coworkers are allowed to have their feelings. They're allowed to be disappointed. They can even think Sarah is a bitch, even though she might think that's a little unfair. And Sarah is allowed to have her feelings. She could be insecure, uncomfortable, etc. She learned before that when she tries to control her coworkers' feelings, as she tried to do when she was younger with her mom, it does not go well. And the last lesson she learned before, the image of staying in her own car, is very helpful. She knows when she's engaging in people-pleasing, when she tries to jump into someone else's car and is telling them how to drive, feel, or respond. And the last lesson she learned is to be kind to herself. This stuff is hard, and allowing her monger to run the show doesn't help anyone. Practicing regularly calling on her biggest fan is important to this process. Sarah is going to take those lessons and any others she learned and use them as she tries to figure out how to decrease her people-pleasing when it comes to her coworkers. When you think about life lessons as spiraling up, it gives you a new perspective. While we do repeat lessons, we don't unlearn all that we've implemented before. We repeat the lesson one step up with a new perspective, new challenges, and new information that we didn't have the last time the lesson came into our lives. So the next time you have a sense of deja vu when it comes to a life lesson, don't beat yourself up. Our monger loves to think in black and white and be very doomsday about the fact that we're relearning a lesson. So take a pause and think back to all you've learned about this lesson in the past. Think back to how you used to handle the situation and remind yourself what you've learned. Then lean into that discomfort. Be kind to yourself that you got snagged again. Remember, this is all part of being human. You aren't a failure. You're just learning. Just as a child who's learning to walk falls, so too do we as adults. We lose our balance. We run into a new obstacle. But that doesn't mean we forgot all we knew before. Remind yourself, you aren't failing. You're just spiraling up. Working with me using my coach in your pocket is perfect for those spiraling up lessons. You've done therapy. You've learned your triggers, examined your past. You know you're spiraling up, but your monger and high-functioning anxiety are still running the show. Helping people with high-functioning anxiety is a personal mission for me. I have a special place in my heart for this struggle because it's both something I dealt with unknowingly for years and because it silently affects so many people who thinks this is just how it is. But this isn't how it is. The constant questioning, doubting, and rehearsing all while handling everything, checking stuff off the list, and never letting them see you sweat, 
There is hope if you struggle with high-functioning anxiety. It doesn't have to be this way. You can reduce your anxiety and keep your edge. You can have less self-doubt and get a ton done. We have been sold the lie that our anxiety and our drive to succeed are the same thing. I've seen it in my clients over and over. When they learn how to quiet their anxiety, their passions and interests actually increase. They have new clarity that they never had before. When I asked clients how they felt about their work via Coach in Your Pocket, I was blown away. One of my clients illustrated how high-functioning anxiety affects all areas of our lives and that working with me via Coach in Your Pocket had improved all areas. She said, I started this work to feel less anxious. I had no idea how much it would improve my marriage, work relationships, relationships with my kids, and my health overall. I do less out-of-control emotional eating, have spoken up more at work, built a stronger connection with my spouse, and have learned how to react less emotionally to my kids. Over the course of the three-month program, we meet once a month for a face-to-face session via a secure video chat. And then throughout the entire three months, you have access to me anytime you're feeling anxious, having a monger attack, celebrating a win, or just need to check in. And I will respond to you during my office hours, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. I've been doing this work for over 20 years, and Coach in Your Pocket is, hands down, the most effective and most life-changing work I've ever done. My clients are consistently blown away by how these daily check-ins, combined with the monthly face-to-face video meetings, create slow, lasting changes that reprogram their high-functioning anxiety tendencies over time. Working with me this way is incredibly efficient and an effective way to deal with your anxiety in the moment without waiting for your next appointment. Ready to get started? Email me, nancyjane at live-happier.com. We're going to set up a free 30-minute consultation to see if this process is a good fit for you. Again, reach out at nancyjane at live-happier.com. And do you know someone else who struggles with high-functioning anxiety? Please share this podcast with them. You can send them a link to the show website, live-happier.com backslash podcast, or you can encourage them to listen via Apple Podcast, Overcast for Apple phones, or Stitcher or Google Podcast for Androids. For those of us with high-functioning anxiety, we can feel so alone and asking for help can be so hard. Hearing from a trusted friend about a helpful resource can be a godsend, so don't underestimate the power in sharing.